Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome aboard the Athletics Can't Wait Jets podcast, your nonstop shop for all things Jets with Tim McMaster, Zach Rosenblatt, and Marissa Dunn. Can't wait! We are back. Thanks for joining the Can't Wait podcast. Tim McMaster here along with Zach Rosenblatt. He covers the Jets for the Athletic. We are getting you ready for the Jets and the Texans on Sunday. And we're going to get some help in this episode. DJ Bienemy, former Jets beat writer, briefly Jets beat writer, uh, is now covering the Texans, has been for the last couple of years, and he's going to come on the show to uh, to talk a little bit about this game, C.J. Stroud, Zach Wilson, because he also covered Zach Wilson during his rookie campaign. Uh, so that should be a lot of fun having him on. Uh, also, we're continuing. The holidays are, are upon us here a couple more weeks in the year, and we are continuing our push for five-star reviews on Apple. So if you're checking us out on Apple, or if you're not, but you have the Apple app, uh, just give us five stars. Then you can say... Nice thing. We prefer nice things, but funny things, whatever you want to say uh, with a five-star review, the best of those reviews we will read uh, at the end of the year. And Zach, when we first started this, we had a, a like a slew of reviews quickly. It slowed down a little bit, so we need to, to get things going a yeah. little bit here as we get closer to the, the end of the year. Um, some news came out. Over the course of this week, we recorded. People probably remember if you're if you're watching us, if you're watching the stream, uh, we recorded on Monday, and we kind of ended it a little short. I think it ended up being like 38 minutes or something like that. Yeah. Because Zach, you had to go do some reporting, and obviously, part of that story was the the story about Zach Wilson. It's been a crazy week for you. Uh, anything to add about that report and everything that was going on? Yeah. Yeah, it was, uh, I mean, obviously everybody who's, who's listening knows about it. <laughs> I'm not going to be naive. Uh, Diana and I have had definitely a, a crazy week in a lot of ways. Um, uh, I'm not going to go into like, you know, I've been on both between the two of us. We've been on all these different radio shows talking about the report and and uh, and everything that came with it. And I, I don't really want to go into how the sausage was made. <laughs> but I, I'll just say, you know, I know there's some, anger about the report and all I all I say is we stand we stand by everything reported still. Um I think it's important to note that all the people that have come out to either deny it or talk around it and not deny it uh had to do that for a reason because this made them look bad. So I uh I get the intrigue around how or why people would tell us this or whatever, but ultimately we decided it was news that the number two overall pick was uh, reluctant to play and so we reported on that and we, we stick with our sourcing it's we had it you know vetted confirmed by people both high up in the organization and and just you know whatever and different levels of the organization so i uh i just wanted to like say that out of the gate so we can like actually talk about jet stuff but um yeah it's been it's been a it's been a weird week like i went on dan patrick's show which you know I mean, I think Dan Patrick's a legend, and he's—I should say—he's like—he's really good at asking questions. Like it, it really threw me. Like <laughs> he's, he's better than me, Zach. 
He's better than me. No, you're not. You're the best. He, he, he has, <laughs> you, has like the Howard. He has the Howard. He has the Howard Stern style though, where you kind of just like he just says something and he like somehow just gets you to like. He's like, oh man, I feel like I'm gonna reveal things about myself here without even meaning to. <laughs> like, that's just how he, he's just like very good. And and Diana, she was on Dan Levitard today, um, who she has a history with, obviously. But uh, yeah, you know, it's been, I mean, crazier week for the Jets than for me. Like, I'm not asking for any sympathy or anything. Um, there has been some anger on social media, but that comes with the job. I don't really take that much offense to that. But ultimately, yeah, we we stand by everything in there. I just wanted to get that out of the way. No, that's fine. And, and you said it. You had multiple sources and all that stuff. And you know, Salah denied it, obviously. Zach denied it, but that's going to happen. What are they going to do? Come out and admit it once it's out there? Of course not. Um, so, but, but the fact is, Zach is going to play. Um, we don't yeah. know what went into, you know, from that report to like the, whether there was pep talk, supposedly he talked to Aaron Rodgers, but he is going to take the field, which I think as, you know, two people with a podcast, that's probably the best <laughs> scenario right now in this season because like, we saw Tim Boyle. We saw Trevor Simeon. I don't need to see that again. At least with Zach. And as bad as he's played, and obviously the numbers show it, he's you know at the bottom of the league as far as quarterbacks this season. But the fact is, he's got a rocket arm. He's athletic. And he has the potential to make big things happen and to get you excited during a football game. We see little glimpses of it along the way with the, the negative play that he's had. And now we're in a position where this team, there's no chance of the playoffs for the Jets. Um, there's a good chance. I'll, I'll leave it a good chance. Zach's not back with the team next year. He, you know, whatever. Yeah. It is definite. But there's a good chance he's not back with this team. So why not just go out there and and sling it, right? There's, there's nothing to lose in this game, I feel like. He's already been benched. Last year, he's been benched this year. So, and it seemed like from what he said this week, that's maybe his mindset a little bit. I know he used the word smart in there as well, but like, I would love to see him just drop back and just start firing Pat. And I think they should let him throw the ball around. Yeah. That's kind of been the message this week. They want him to let it rip, but it, you know, they, they spent all of last year talking about how they wanted him to be more boring. Um, <laughs> yeah. And now that, and they and then they let him be boring the beginning of this year and nothing was happening. So I don't know. Like I think we've seen when Zach is playing loose is when he's at his best. And a lot of times mm-hmm. that's not in the beginning of the game for whatever reason. He's tight. He's scared to make make the throws out of there. He doesn't see them. And then as the game goes on and the defense give more space and they're maybe doing some more no huddle, that's when he's at his best. Like we've talked about this stuff all in the beginning of the year when we were criticizing them was because they weren't letting him throw down the field and stuff like that. So I think why they knew they had to go back to him was last week when Tim Boyle in particular was in there. There was, as we talked about earlier in the week, like there was so many plays, especially with Garrett Wilson, where he was down the field, he was open and they were not delivering him the ball. They weren't even looking his way. And it was a really bad look because the opportunities were there and they didn't take them. Like we, we criticized Hackett a lot. I think a lot of it's earned, but um, he was calling plays that had guys open and the jets did not have quarterbacks willing to make those throws. Will Zach be willing to make those throws? Like, there's evidence that like a lot of times he's not, I think we know he can, we know he physically can. And when he does, like he has the arm to do it. Um, but yeah, you know, I, it's kind of like, it, if again, the parallels to last season, like are just, it just like gives me a headache. <laughs> but like, the, like when he was benched last year, they didn't expect him to play again. And three weeks later, you know, they bench him. They said, we're going to reset his footwork. We're going to completely start from scratch with him. Three weeks later, he's starting again. And all the questions were like, how can you can you say that he improved his footwork in three weeks and 
you know, Salah had to play the coach speak thing. And yeah, we, we do. And this, this, and this, and clearly that was not the case. And like, can, can we be sure that in two weeks, Zach has built up the confidence again, where he can air it out and let it rip and all that stuff. Like, I, I don't know. I mean, um, we're going to find that out pretty quick on Sunday. I, it's another one of those things that I've been saying, like, until we see it, like, why should we believe it? And I, I know there was a lot of fans like, oh, everything's Zach Ball, everything's Zach Ball, when Everton Boyle would be bad or anything was going wrong in the last couple of weeks. And the point from the beginning was that, no, not everything is Zach's fault, but he also has not been good. Like, that, that is also a fact. So they, they were the wor- one of the worst offenses in the league before they benched Zach Wilson. It's not like they were good right. with him, which see people seem to leave that part out. Like, their offense was a disaster. So, um, you know. I think, you know, there's a few things that we need to look out for because, you know, Wes Schweitzer's not going to play a guard, so there's going to be another version of this offensive line. Brees Hall is questionable. I imagine he'll play, but um, Jason Brownlee's out, so you're going to see more of Lazard again. So there's – the supporting cast is still, like, going up and down. The Texans have some talent on defense. They have a guy in Derek Stingley who we'll talk about with DJ uh, in a bit who's been very, very good lately. I think he had two picks last week. Um, it's a challenge, and it's a – it's a defense that, you know, maybe he sees this defense in practice, so maybe that would help him because it's the same defense, like, scheme-wise. Uh, but, yeah, I, I don't have a lot of confidence that's going to go well on Sunday, but I don't think it could be much worse than it was last week against the Falcons, I would say. Salah, I mean, he's in a tough spot, obviously, but I thought the, his quote this week was interesting. He said, we always believed Zach yeah. was the best quarterback in terms of giving us a chance to win. You know, Tim and Trevor trying to spark the offense and all that, and those two are very talented quarterbacks. Both, Don't get me wrong, but in my opinion, Zach gives us the best chance to win. He uses the term spark, which is exactly the same word he used <laughs> earlier this season when talking about why they weren't benching Zach when he said... <laughs> just benching someone to look for a spark isn't something I believe in. Um, coaches have to say a lot of things over the course of the season, and we obviously record, you know, track all of it. But it's, I mean, it's exactly the opposite thing is what he said like a month ago. I mean, look, it's, he's, he's saying these things in a podium where it's being recorded. So it's our right to like point out when he contradicts himself and he's done that here. Like that, that is a fact. And, um, and he's used the spark terminology in the past. He used the same thing when they explained why he was playing Chris Trevor last year and, um, you know, why he went to Mike White and, and all this stuff. Like, I, um, it's okay to say you're doing something for a spark. It didn't, the spark didn't ignite. Like, it didn't work here. So they're going back to Zach maybe quicker than I would have predicted. Um, I mean, as I thought he, Zach was never going to start again for the team when he got benched, I guess I'd, I underestimated. You didn't know how bad Boyle and Simeon were going yeah, to play, though. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. Like, I underestimated <laughs> the mediocrity that was behind him, which, Kind of goes back to why they had never benched him before that clearly, but also goes back to, you know, we've said it a million times. It's cliche at this point, but this is what they get for not bringing in anybody. Like this is what happened. So, um, uh, we were talking before the pod, like they brought in Brett Ripien. Um, and as you said, like the irony of the fact that Brett Ripien was available because he got cut for Carson Wentz who the Rams went out and got when the Jets could have went out and got him. So the quarterback thing is going to be the story of this season. Ultimately, um, I mean, I imagine that Rodgers is not coming back if he's been truthful about the, the playoff thing, but you never know with Rodgers. So um, that's where we're at, as always. The the Wentz thing is fast because he's that's I mean, it's a name we've obviously talked about since yeah. before the start of the season. Right. I think we he came up in training camp that here's one of the guys that could have possibly been extra depth behind Aaron Rodgers. And here you are signing Rippin, who was released to make way 
for Carson Wentz. It's just, it's, it's fascinating. And it's just a, they're random transactions, but it just, it just looks bad. And like back to real quick and, and DJ is going to join us here in a second. Um, back to Salah. I actually like believe in the spark thing, right? Like I yeah. think that's legit. You can, you can put somebody new out there and you can get a spark. So I'm actually less critical of that comments about them, him putting them in to get a spark and more critical of the past comments when he said yeah. there was no reason to do that because I think, well, Andy, and he said it defiant, and he said like defiantly the last time too. He's like, I don't believe in making a move, just to make a move and a smart and all that stuff. So ultimately, coaches say a lot. I think that's why you see some coaches who say nothing all the time, like Dable and Belichick and, and guys like that, because then you can't throw it back in their face. I when I covered the Giants, like Dave Gettleman was famously saying saying things all the time, and towards the end of his tenure, uh, my old coworker Daryl and I um, like basically went through all his most like ridiculous quotes. Like, you know, where he did the keyboard thing, making fun of the land and it licks people and just, and then compare it to what like actually happened and stuff like that. And it was, it did pretty well because it was like, th- these guys are at the podium and it's their responsibility to say the right things. It's not my job to not point it out when they don't. So. All right, let's bring in DJ. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, DJ. What's up, DJ? DJ, hey, how you doing? he used to report on the New York Jets uh, in 2021, 20, DJ? Yeah, yeah, on yeah, 2021 offseason, season, and then 2022 offseason. Then right and then at the end of uh, mini camp, that's when I departed to go to ESPN. The ESPN now reporting on these Houston Texans. So you're in an interesting spot as far as this game goes. Yeah. Uh, and that's kind of, we'll get to a lot of stuff, but you witnessed Zach Wilson's rookie season, a number yep. two overall pick. You're now witnessing CJ Stroud's rookie season, a right. number two overall pick. Um, obviously they've gone vastly different, but like as a reporter, what was the approach of the teams any different in, in your mind or is CJ Stroud, was he just better prepared for the moment to step into the NFL and, and be an effective quarterback? I think a little bit of both. Um, the Texans actually made him com- like fight for his starting job. Like they made him compete because he didn't get named a start. He was the last starter to be named. Um, he was in a battle with Davis Mills, but you know, obviously like, Probably through the second week of camp, it was clear that he was going to win the job. He would take a majority of the reps, but they didn't give him that title. He had, they really made him go earn it. Obviously, with Zach, like from day one, he was a starter. Granted, his only two comp, his only two competition was Mike White and James Morgan, who neither had uh, played in the NFL game. But that's probably one of the bigger differences. And like Sala in twenty twenty one was way more complimentary of Zach in the media was always like, oh, yeah, no, this is our guy. This is our starter, da, 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 da. Where uh, D'Amico was always saying, see, he's doing a good job. He's currently in a quarterback competition. And he would keep it very coy. He's like, yeah, he, you know, he's he's progressing, things like that. He was a lot more coy compared to, like, Sala, where Sala was just wrapping his arms around him. And not, not am I, and I'm not saying that D'Amico wasn't doing that behind the scenes, but he was not doing that with the media. So that was one big difference that, that, I, that I noticed in that regard. Um, I also think that while there is some similarities 
you know, former defensive, I mean, former uh, San Francisco 49ers defensive coordinator, pass game coordinator to be the OC, all of them first years. The difference is the Jets, uh, they had a lot more young guys surrounding Zach, right? You had Elijah and Mount Carter. You had on the offensive line, you had Makai Becton, who ended up getting hurt that year, but you had Elijah Barry Tucker. Um, so there wasn't as many veterans around him. At tight end, it was basically like just pl- plug and play anybody. I think Kenny Uboa got some snaps. I know Ryan Griffin was there. With the Texans, you have Robert Woods, who's a legitimate vet. You have Dalton Schultz, who's a legitimate, legitimate vet. The whole O-line outside of like the center slash guard spot, these guys have played a lot of NFL football. Larry Tunsil. Obviously, he came in the league in 2016. George Fant's been around a while. Shaq Griffin's been around. Titus Howard's been around. So he had some veterans around him to, to help him from a pass protection standpoint. And then a the receiver spot when you have Robert Woods, Dalton Schultz, that those are more veterans that understand the game. Yeah, you still have some kids and Nico and Tank, but they're all being brought up and taught through around a lot of these veterans. Um, so I think that's kind of the difference is, is it's a lot. It's less young around CJ, which only helps him. Um, but then again, I think he just sees it better in terms of defenses and understanding the structure of the offense. And again, he's he's really poised when things break around down around him. He doesn't necessarily panic, which you kind of saw that with Zach as a rookie. Once it he, like it broke down, he tried to scramble, make things happen. But then like he clearly didn't learn that, or he wasn't learning early on that he wasn't the athlete that he was in college going against the guys he went against in BYU. Which he has a better understanding of that, um, but. I would say all those things are kind of wide. It's been it's been vastly different. I'm curious. Um, so Jeff Ulbrich was talking a lot about that poise yesterday. He's like, I've never seen a rookie with that much poise right away. Was there a moment um, from when you started covering CJ that you realized he might be like this special? Like, was it when the season came around, or did you see it in camp, kind of thing? So yeah, I, I would say like early in camp, I remember you texting my other reporter friends like. I don't know, man. CJ ain't looking too hot. <laughs> but then, because <laughs> uh, he, he, he wasn't getting into the rhythm because, like, they were legitimately, like, one series Davis, one series CJ. But then, like, it was a Saturday practice where the ball barely hit the ground and everything was was within structure. Whatever my – um almost said Michael Floor. Whatever Bobby Sloick asked him to do, <laughs> he did. Um, and he did within the structure. And, like I just said, the ball barely hit the ground. It was the first time, you know, all the fans were there. Um, but because it's funny, like I remember going on Rich's podcast and we were talking about that same practice, and it's kind of comparable to Zach's first uh, fan practice where a bunch of fans were there, where they mm-hmm. like Zach had the big downfield throw to Elijah Moore. Fans went crazy. Y'all saying we got a franchise guy, so CJ didn't have one of those moments. But they're both practices were similar in the sense of like you kind of saw the ability, but then CJ built on it, right? Even his first preseason game, yeah, he had the interception and it looked kind of wonky. But the Miami practice and joint practices, you could see a lot of him making some really good throws, creating off script at times, um, still staying poised. And then that game, you start to see like some of the nuanced quarterback stuff. And then when I was like, all right, he has it, it was the Saints preseason game. He only went two for four, one touchdown, 16 yards. But you could see a lot of the pinpoint accuracy where it was like, okay, this guy has what it takes. And then obviously, you know, by game two, when he threw for like 384, the second most passing yards for quarterback 21 or younger. That's when I was like, yeah, this dog, this guy, this guy has it. So the, the Jets, I think, have scored uh, four touchdowns in the last, like, 88 possessions or, like, something. Or, <laughs> I forget what the number is. Something crazy. Um, so what's it like covering an offense that 
is like prolific because I, I haven't seen that all year. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, I would say um, it, it 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 prevents you from writing your. For us, we got to write takeaways right after the game. But yeah. for the sake of discussion, it prevents you from writing your game story early. I'll say mm. that. Prevents writing your game story uh, story early because you just never know, right? Like the Tampa Bay yeah. Bucks game, like there was like forty seconds left. They're down by four. They go down for a touchdown within within like five plays, right? Or like against the Bengals where they're up, but then it's tied in a blink of an eye. You're like, well, they have an offense to where, you know, I think they can go down and score. So it prevents you from writing about they went to overtime. You got to wait until the game's really done. So uh, I would say when you have a prolific offense, it for sure never lets you think that the team's out of the game. Yeah. What, uh, I know that. I know. Go ahead, Tim. I was just going to say, I kind of one more on Stroud, which is, you know, they, they've played some good teams, obviously, this year. It's good defenses. Steelers, yeah. Patriots defense has been good. Ravens. But you think this is by far the biggest challenge he's faced as far as a defense? Uh, it probably tied with the Ravens. Um, the Ravens was obviously phenomenal, but that was CJ's first start. So, you know, you kind of just throw that away a little bit. I would say... Since that game, um, I would say, yes, it's probably the biggest challenge. I think they match the Jets match up very well with the Texans, right? Because in reality, the teams have given the, te- uh, the Jets the most problem teams that can efficiently run the ball. Um, because we all know if you just drop back and throw against this defense, you're gonna it's going to be a long day, right? Like, good luck. Only guy that legitimately had success being able to drop back and throw the whole day was Dak. That is it, right? Even Josh Allen, his game was still like, he got, you know, he got a, he got, he had a couple big plays. But in reality, like Dak was way more precise, was able to dissect play after play after play, where every other quarterback was Mahomes, Tua, Jalen, Josh's first game, doesn't matter who else. They've all, they've all, even Justin Herbert, yeah, they scored 27, but like he threw for like under 150 yards or something like that. It was, it was a nasty number. Um, so if with this game, they haven't been able to run the ball effectively the whole year. Um, they've had like three, four good games could have been on run the ball. But besides that, it's all been a struggle bus. And if they can't run the ball without Tank Dale, if you just put it on CJ's shoulders, this is the wrong defense to do that against. And, you know, this is going to be a really good test to see um, how fast CJ could can see a potential problem and per- try to prevent that. One potential problem is he's been extending very well recently. The past, since week nine, pass rate of 104, three touchdowns, and um, three touchdowns, no interceptions. When he extends for plays four seconds or longer, the Jets against quarterbacks who extend four seconds or longer, pass rate of 39, I mean, 34. And obviously Mahomes, Josh, Mahomes, Josh Jalen, all through inter- two interceptions when they held the ball for 2.5 seconds or longer. Again, CJ's been doing, CJ, most of his CJ's damage this year. He has 12 touchdowns, four interceptions where he throws the ball, um, where he holds up at 2.5 or longer seconds. So he's been effective the entire year when he's been able to hold the ball and create. So this is the wrong team to kind of do that. So it's going to be like strength for strength. But obviously, I'm going to lean towards the Jets' defense being able to, if he's living in that world, to really have success against them. Because, like, even the Jacksonville game, he threw for 300-something 300, uh, 300 yards. I think he had three total touchdowns. But his time to throw was like 3.8. And that game, they struggled to gain any rhythm, which is why they only ended up with 21 points and ended up losing that game because you just can't live – in the backyard football life. Yeah. That's a great point. Um, 
So on, on the on the other side of the ball, I so I, Derek Stingley and Sauce was uh, obviously it was a discussion last year. I know you you were getting shit from Jet fans for a while, um, but it seems like Stingley's kind of like paid you back for that praise because he's been very good, obviously. But, yeah, yeah, he um, you like, back what do you think bit. about? Yeah, you know, what, what does he do well, and what what do you think about Sauce versus? They're both very different players, obviously. But what do you right. think about those two, like in comparison to each other? Well, you know, yeah, I, I, everybody knows I like I like Stingley better from a time perspective. Yeah, but, yeah. I will have to admit, for now, Sauce has won that argument for now. For now. Yeah. Um, I would say, that you're right, they are very different corners. Because um, Stingy at the line of scrimmage isn't necessarily the guy that wants to, like, get all physical with you. He kind of wants to read what you're doing and kind of squeeze the spacing and just stay on your hip so you can make a play on the ball. Um, where Sauce is a lot more physical at the line of scrimmage, where he wants to just completely erase you so the quarterback doesn't throw it his way. Um where Sting Lee, I don't, I don't want to say he's baiting guys because that's he's not at that point yet where he 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 can truly bait guys the way Rebus can bait guys, yeah. or you know people, you know people in that in that in that um you know realm, um but he has some of the best ball skills I've seen from cornerback. Like he's in that like Xavier Howard, Jalen Ramsey, Deion Sanders, Marcus Peters type of Champ Bailey type of ball skills where they could play receiver. Like in you know shirt sports, Patrick Peterson and shirt sports because they have such good ball skills. Um, so I was that's what I would say is the unique difference between the two, right? They're obviously very talented corners. They both have very bright futures in this league. Sauce has already been All Pro. Um, Stingley just is vast. They're, they're vastly different in the ball skill aspect and how they how they play yeah. at the line of scrimmage. Um, I think both of them are really good when they're in trail technique off technique because you can tell they really trust their long speed. So they'll sit on a lot of stuff, you know, at the top of the route, get a little bit physical. And then when they, you know, to disrupt the receiver at the route, top of the route, because they are very comfortable with their long speed and the twitchiness on those quick out, out or in breaking routes. So there, there's a similar similarity there, but the line of scrimmage is vastly different in the sense of like how they're going to attack um, their receivers. Yeah, and well, and that's I feel like that sauce is you could argue is the biggest knock against him right now. He doesn't really make those plays on the ball. Um, yeah, but the ball doesn't get thrown to him very much, I guess. So I guess that's right. Good. But uh, so it, you guys, you obviously have a few former Jets on the on the yeah. Texans. George <laughs> Fant, Sheldon Rankins, Adrian Amos now, but Blake Cashman's the most interesting one to me because you know what his history was in New York. He was yep. always getting hurt. Like, but what's it yep. been like kind of seeing him break out the way he has this year? Yeah, it's funny because you know I was I, I remember just talking to him a bunch last year. Um, just, you know, you know, just getting to know him, things of that nature, you know, telling him I covered him in New York, you know, so we've always built that type of bond. Um, I actually want to try to run a story on him after the season. Um, seeing him break out, I think a lot of it stems from the fact that he knows this system, having played with Sala, played under Sala, and D'Amico Sala running the exact same scheme. Um, so he had, like, terminology was easy for him to pick up. Again, he already had, he was in a lot of those meetings, um, just learning, like, the X's and O's, Back in 2021, so here it's kind of it's he plays very fast mainly because he knows what D'Amico wants based off of team tendency. But one thing that he told me a while back, uh, well, actually uh, probably like last month, the biggest change is like him, like mentally, right? Because like he when he came to Houston, like it helped revitalize, fully revitalize, um, just his his mental wiring in terms of how he plays the game, how he approaches the game, um, from a self appreciation standpoint. Because you know, he said when he was in New York, he should really be really, really hard on himself because he couldn't stay healthy. So when you get out there, he would press a little bit. And he knew, like, once the injury started to pile up, he knew that, okay, the team was starting to move on from him in that regard. And he said, like, the change really, really started in New York where he met, like, a therapist. 
So he met that hmm. therapist. That therapist helped, um, you know, kind of get his mind back on track. And he's carried some of that into Houston, and Houston took it to another level to now where he feels just a lot more free mentally. He could play free, and he's not worried about getting hurt and things of that nature. And it's allowed him to play his best ball. Um, so it's, it's really cool to see a guy, you know, change the scenery, be able to finally start to tap into that athletic ability that we all knew that he had. I mean, when I played Madden all the time a few years back, I used to always try to draft Blake Cash because his speed was a 90 He's on fast, Madden. Yeah, yeah, yeah so. <laughs> That's funny. That's, that's great background. I had uh, one more about this, the details, and just the young talent there. Um, Will Anderson was number three pick in the first round here for the Texans, and I think he it took him a little while this season to start at least getting home, right? But, but yeah. a couple of sacks last week, how much – how much of a factor can he be against the Jets' offensive line that is um, a mess? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I don't really know. They would not be doing Max Mitchell uh, any favors if they leave him one on one with Anderson. <laughs> so I don't, I don't anticipate them doing too much of that. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, no, nah, he could be a massive factor. Um, I think what's helped him out a little bit more is the help of the secondary. Um, throughout the year, there was a lot of uh, it was a revolving door because only. Even like game one, they didn't even have their full starting lineup um, in the secondary. They had their three cornerbacks, but their safeties. Uh, Jimmy Ward was out with a hip. Jalen Peachy only lasted a quarter before he punctured his lung. So that you know they. So there's been musical chairs in that in that aspect. But once the whole unit got healthy, um, that's kind of they've been playing better on the back end, which has forced quarterbacks to hold the ball just a tick longer. So where he's been able to get home lately, it's not a coincidence that once Stingley comes back and once Steven Nelson was healthy and, uh, well, he he actually was been healthy the whole year. Uh, but when Jimmy Ward came back and Jamie Peachy was starting to come into his own and Tavier Thomas, who had a broken hand, and he missed a few games while they were all there, it's not a coincidence that now that sacks are starting to come because they're able to hold just a tick longer in coverage and force a quarterback to hold the ball just a tick longer, which is allowing them to get there because he was getting close but, I mean, there was one play against the Saints. He had Derek Carr wrapped around and taken him to the floor, and Derek Carr just dumped it to uh, Taysom Hill. So it's just funny that, like, a few plays could have completely changed the narrative from earlier in the year if he was able to get those guys down if they just didn't get the ball out. Yeah, that, I think uh, we're seeing that kind of with Quinnen right now because he, uh, he's he been dominant, but he hasn't been able to get, like, the sack. So I think, uh, right. as you know, fans, like, always focus on the sack numbers. So. Absolutely. Um, um, no, we got to let you go. But I, the last question I got for you um, is the real reason you uh, moved all the way to Houston, Texas, <laughs> uh, to get to, away from Connor Hughes? Is that is that the real reason? Well, I mean, I still text him from time to time. Like, I always <laughs> – I, I was poking fun at him for the, the Tim Boyle stuff, you know, because I was just like – Bro, like you, Tim Boyle stinks. Like, <laughs> why are you asking for Tim Boyle to play? You know, and he was like, they need a spark. I'm like, the spark. If the spark is Tim Boyle, then the battery is just dead at that point. You know, <laughs> you know, those, you know. Shout out to Tim Boyle for being able to finesse an NFL career because you know, like we always talk about Kirk Cousins being like, you know, you know, Hall of Fame ski mask. No, 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 no. Tim Boyle is the standard for being able to steal money because. For you to have more interceptions than touchdowns since high school, and you're, you're still in the NFL, cashing checks, shout out to Tim Boyle. Shout out to Tim Boyle. 
Him and uh, him and Chase Daniel, they both have had uh, nice careers. <laughs> at least Chase, at least Chase was good in college. At least yeah, Chase was good in college. Touche, touche, touche. All right, man. Well, Chase thanks for coming on, on the, DJ. Uh, the athletic football show, too, Zach. So we're oh, we're true. Yeah, Chase. we love Chase Daniel. Yeah. We love Chase. Daniel. <laughs> uh, all right, DJ. Thanks so much for coming on. I'm sure you'll. Uh, I hope you have a good time coming back to New York. Uh, you know, a Columbia guy, so I know it's 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 home. So so well, enjoy the trip and uh, hopefully the game. Lives up the trip, I guess. Right? We'll, we'll, we'll see about the game, but the trip should be fun. Uh, side note, I don't really talk too much to my Columbia classmates. Only a couple, but yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> All right, that was uh, DJ Bienemy joining us. Uh, check out all his great stuff on ESPN uh, as he covers the Texans, uh, getting you ready for this game coming up this weekend. Should we do picks, Zach? Yeah, we can do picks. Uh, wait, before we do, we should – we did want to like – talk about it briefly maybe we should go too deep into it but jamal adams stuff that has transpired i feel like it's worth mentioning yeah i said i uh, wanted to talk about it and then in my head i was like maybe we shouldn't even I don't know. we don't need to go but we don't need to go in depth. let's let's do yeah i just we, i just want to i just want to state for like the record like it's insane the way he's handled it like so i'm not going to say my i don't i didn't cover him when he was here i've heard things about him but um i think he kind of showed his character over these this last week and a half or so um and i will say it's just to share like a funny story about this. So when the initial Jamal stuff happened, it was obviously like insane. Like we were texting about it. We were all getting fired up. Um, I mean, if you, if you guys don't know, I, I'd say just, if you need to say it, like Connor just responded to a tweet of him giving up a touchdown and with yikes. And he responded by posting a photo of Connor's wife with the same word, which, you know, cool guy doing that. But uh, so w- when that happened, I like felt so bad for Connor that I, uh, I sent something to his house Um a funny gift to his house and it didn't arrive until a couple of days ago when Jamal addressed the quote, the, the tweets and he doubled down and said, uh, when they go low, I go lower, which is a very <laughs> interesting thing to say publicly. And the gift that I sent Connor, <laughs> it's a, uh, it's a bag of dicks. It's a bag of gummy dicks that I sent to Connor's house. It, it didn't have, I, I thought I wrote a note on there, uh, but I guess it didn't have any like texted the group that were in. He's like, did you guys send this? I was like, that was me. <laughs> And, and I think Connor is enjoying the gummies, <laughs> but I just, I, I thought it was hilarious. And I, I, I wanted to send that to somebody for a long time because that's an insult. I use at people. <laughs> um, anyway, that's the main reason why I wanted to bring up the Jamal Adams thing. Cause I wanted to share that. I was proud of that. <laughs> I want to say ultimately... that, I, that I'm proud of Jets Twitter and yeah. Jets fan base yeah. because I know like, People have a love-hate relationship with Connor. We we mostly love Connor, but you know, obviously, we're we're Team Connor and the Cano on this whole thing. Um, but to see something handled so badly by a player, and then to see the entire Twitterverse just not even just just Twitter, on. by the way, but and and really, the coolest thing about that, I thought, was that it allowed Connor to not have to respond, like because I think that was important too. Yeah, he took the high road. He did the first thing, wow. and he let, and it was he just let, really neat. So Jamal, thank you all for listening. I'm sure you probably got in there. That was people that I never thought would even notice this was a story who were jumping <laughs> on and, and piling on, and it was pretty cool to see um, a guy that we're very fond of get defended the way that he did. So that was cool. Yeah, I mean, he, the, the craziest thing is, and we, again, we don't even go too deep into this, but like Connor's tweeted critical things about guys that were way worse than, than that. 
It's part of the, <laughs> it's it was the job. That's the thing. It's the job. You be, like you can't be that you can't be that thin skinned if you're right. gonna be a star in the NFL. I'm sorry. So okay, right. we can move on. But I just wanted to say, obviously, you guys know I support Connor, even though I hate his guts. Um, I do support him here. I'll, only I can hate his guts. Like nobody else can. That's my rule. <laughs> my wife is off of Twitter these days, and she almost <laughs> reactivated her account because she was. She just wanted to like defend Bree and and send love and all that. And I said, just it's okay, it's all right. Just Ta- Taylor. Taylor just had a great comment. He said, for the first time in his life, Connor did not talk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it was the right move. It was the right. And usually, him talking is the right move because that's how he's gotten to where he is. And this time, he did it. Yes, yeah, so. touche, touche. Uh, so yeah, nice comment there. All right, let's all right, get into move. the picks. The picks brought to you by BetMGM. We have a singular leader, Zach. Yeah, New Megan Jets, 100 picks for the year out of 177, which I'm going to say. Not bad. That's pretty darn good. Uh, 56.50%. Uh, they've won two weeks over the course of the year. So it feels like if that holds, maybe we try to get them on the show next week uh, because yeah, we're running like out it. of things to talk about on the second episode <laughs> of these shows. So that seems like a good move. Um, sadly for me, I have fallen below 500 for the first time this season. I had a brutal week. Um, back to 48%. Uh, you're hanging in there. They're 87. You're under 500 too. You're at 49.15, yeah. but you're ahead of me on the percentage. So that that's where we stand. Let's go to this week's games. There's a couple of good ones, not like one of the best mm-hmm. weeks of the year, but, but a couple of good ones as far as the list goes. Um, the Fighting Michael Dunn's taking on Jacksonville. Trevor Lawrence is back at practice. Um, but I'm not sure exactly how effective he's going to be. Um, as the, the best thing about us sharing this thing, by the way, is that you have the automated ads. If you're watching on YouTube, there's the automated <laughs> ads. And you can see what Tim's been up to lately, yeah, yeah. ordering, ordering Christmas cards. <laughs> well, at, least it's not sh- at least it's not anything with, embarrassing, though. Yeah, with the <laughs> Shutterfly ad on the, on the side. Uh, we are, uh, I guess they're an unofficial sponsor now. Um, <laughs> but Cleveland minus three and a half at home against Jacksonville. Uh, I think, I just think Lawrence is going to struggle even if, if he's able to go at it. And I think that with that Cleveland defense, they get the win. They need one. Um, yeah. There's some interesting lines this week. I'll say, um, I think yeah. the, the lions, the lions only being, only being favored by three and a half, like feels like a typo to me. Like I, that's one of those, like the Eagles game last week where it's like, why are the Eagles underdogs against the 49ers? And then, Oh, okay. That's why, and then so like yeah. I'm, I'm, I have my eye on that one because for whatever reason Vegas is genius with this stuff sometimes, and like the Lions have been one of the best teams in the league, so um, that was interesting to me. Um, let's see, Colts Bengals is interesting. Jake Browning had a great game last week. Gardner Minshew's looked really good. I think that might actually be a pretty good game. Um, let's see here. I think that Chiefs Bills. Uh, there's we didn't talk about it, but the Sean McDermott drama, like. Um, kind of overshadowed our Zach Wilson drama since yesterday because Ty Dunn, from, uh, who has his uh, website, GoLongTD, I believe, dot .com, uh, wrote a, like, 20,000-word opus on all the problems in Buffalo. And one of the anecdotes, if you don't know, was in, 20, in a team meeting in 2019, as a way to illustrate what good communication looks like, he referenced the 9-11 terrorists, which, you know, interesting choice. I'm surprised it took this long to get out, honestly. Um you know what? Well, anyway, the so the that, fact that it took this long to get out is gonna help him. Because if that came yeah. out at the moment, like you wonder oh, if he survives yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, because I saw uh, Tim Graham from The Athletic was actually tweeting that, like, apparently in the building, they all knew about that already. And they kind of, like, even joke about it now because it was so insane. But, um, I mean, it's the sign of a team like the Jets as you see stuff like this as it's coming out. Like, that's where turmoil comes in. And so if the the Bills lose to the Chiefs, which, you know, is very conceivable, um, they have a losing record. Their playoffs hopes are not dying, but definitely, like, falling. Um, And if the Bills don't make the playoffs, like – I get everybody's been reporting that McDermott's safe, but it's again, like that's like not planning for the worst case scenario. And right now they have a lot of bad publicity. He fired Ken Dorsey, made him the scapegoat, all that stuff. So anyway, that was just a little sidetrack there. Um, it, and just big picture, like we came into this year and we thought the AFC East was going to be just yeah. loaded, right? The Jets yeah. were there and Rogers, the Dolphins were on the rise. The Bills were Super Bowl contenders. The Patriots were the Patriots. The Patriots are, one of the worst teams in the league. The Jets now are one of the worst teams in the league and the Bills could be under 500 at the end of the week. It's it's just crazy how that division has played out. Yeah. I yeah. The I, I biggest the game of the week. Go ahead. The Sorry. Yeah. No, I was just saying, I thought the AFC was going to be one of the best too. So Yeah. Yeah. The biggest game of the week, Philadelphia at Dallas. And what a gauntlet for the Eagles to yes, come out of that game last week where they got blitzed by the 49ers and now they go on the road to Dallas they lose this game and they're underdogs. They're suddenly not even in first place in the division after looking like the clear cut number one seed in the NFC two weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the Eagles have had some like bad signs all year, but they kept winning. Like I, so I thought it was always ridiculous that people were even doubting them. Um, I think Jalen Hurts probably banged up. There was like a whole controversy about their uh, David Carr um, saying they should bench him for Mariota or whatever. But um yeah, I mean, I, this is a bad timing for this game because he would have loved like a get-right game this week. So I am a little concerned about it. I, I think I picked the Eagles. I don't do that with confidence right now. The Eagles ultimately are just like more talented than most teams, though. So that's why I think they're in it every week. But um, I guess I should we should pick the Jets game. Uh, I uh, I think it might not be a great game. <laughs> I, uh, I know that's not <laughs> controversial, but like I think it might be like kind of ugly. Like, I think three points is kind of generous isn't that what it is three and a half man i've never three seen so many three and a half point spreads in one single yeah it's week. Crazy. it's crazy yeah i think the jets lose by more than three and a half is what i'll say so uh i took the texans as well um i keep i think i've gone against the jets now for for a decent run um it's just been uh, had good reason to yeah by the way i'm also already off on an zero and one start to to the week because that patriots game last night <laughs> really oh my just, god was crazy. Uh, Bailey Zappi played one half, and it was enough. And the Steelers are suddenly like they lost, lost to the Cardinals, and they lose to the Patriots, two of the worst three teams in the league. Um, but that Patriots game is interesting because of how it impacts the draft and like yeah. that game against the Jets late in the season. Um, if Bailey Zappi can continues to have a little magic, the Patriots could play themselves out of one of those top quarterbacks which is exactly what you don't want to do if you're already yeah. having a, a miserable season. So so Jets fans, should be, Jets fans should be happy with that at the, if they yes. the Patriots to keep winning. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you root for the Patriots. Get them back in that mediocrity level, and then you never, you know, it's the worst place to be in sports is yep. just good enough not to get the, the top, top picks. Um, totally. So I, I think that does it for us. Uh, anything else to add before the, the Texans come to town, Zach? No, I, I will say, like – just to throw the hypothetical out there, like if they do somehow win this game, I do wonder if the noise around Rodgers 
starts getting loud again because I, I do think if they had won that Falcons game, we might be having a different conversation this week about when, when or if Rodgers comes back. Right now they're at like a 0.1 chance to make the playoffs. So if Rodgers really wants to be like, hey, we technically still are in it, like <laughs> I could totally see that happening. Um, but so I, th- I think it would require a win this week, though. Like if they lose this week, there's no way he comes back. So right. I still well, don't think, think he should, that, obviously. But If they had won last week, it'd be five and seven. And then if they win this week, six and seven. And then suddenly they're tied with the Bills. The Bills lose. Like, I mean, six and seven, suddenly you do have hope. But unfortunately, they didn't beat the Falcons. Yeah. And so, I, I mean, I don't see. I know I know you can't change the point one to a zero until you're mathematically <laughs> eliminated. So yeah, exactly. It's yeah. literally the worst chances you can have of making the playoffs until you're eliminated. So. Yeah, well, I and I I, use, I played around with the New York Times uh, uh, simulator or predictor or whatever, and I put it if they win the rest of their games, I think they yeah, still and only be like they don't make it. Right? Yeah, they would still be like twelve percent or something like that. So. Yeah, there's too many. It's not the right year. Like there are years where yeah. nine and eight will get you in the playoffs. Yeah, but this is this is not that year in the AFC. Yeah, but I'd love to see Zach just go out there and play carefree football. Yeah. Just zip it around, um, make mistakes. I don't. I don't care if he. You know what? If Zach Wilson throws three touchdown passes and three interceptions, I'd be thrilled. Because that would be an exciting. Yeah, absolutely. Game. Yeah. That's an exciting football yeah, game. Absolutely, so, I agree. All right, let's make that happen. Uh, we'll be back with the recap early next week. As always, we'll keep you updated on the exact time, and we will talk to everybody soon on the Can't Wait podcast. <laughs>